What's up, everyone? Welcome to the inaugural Game & Watch episode number one, where we talk about Nintendo stuff. I am RGT85. I am joined by two members of the Spawn cast. First off, we have Josie Woe. Josie, how you doing? So good. So excited to be here, ready for the, the launch of the new pod. You sound very nasally. Um, I'm super, super sick. So. Hey, but you, you showed up to work. Good job. Yep. And of course, the man that needs no introduction, Nate Drake. Nate the hate. Nate, how you doing? I'm doing well. Looking forward to kickstarting this brand new podcast with the two of you and giving our listeners and fans new original content every week moving on from here. Is this weekly? I didn't realize it was weekly. All right. <laughs> See, we're learning as we go along here. I thought it was weekly or is I, it monthly? <laughs> I think it's bi-weekly. I think it's every two weeks, maybe. I don't know. See, the, John is, is hasn't done the best job of informing everyone of everything or even really talking about this Patreon stuff. But I figure if, if we shoot a show and we have some content on there, it'll kind of put his ass in gear and force him to, to put down something about this. So... Obviously, this isn't going to be the most original episode because, A, it's episode one. We're ironing out the kinks. There's no video. I don't know if they're going to include video and stuff like that. But there was a Nintendo Direct. We're actually filming this on the day of the Nintendo Direct, actually the evening post-Nintendo Direct. And, you know, you got to talk about these things. But I think this was a very unique Nintendo Direct because of the fact that that a lot of people online, and I don't know if you guys happen to see this and feel free to chime in, I feel like there was a bit of a split with some people. I, I feel like this was one of the more divisive Nintendo Directs. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. It, it seemed as though people... It wasn't quite the Direct people were expecting from Nintendo, but people were also very happy with what was shown from Nintendo, while other people were hoping for more variety. Yeah, I think there was one main type of game shown here, really, if you're looking first-party-wise, and that's just mostly Mario. And so if you're not a huge fan of Mario, you know, which is not a lot of people, but that that's I think that's where the split is. Now, before we get into talking about individual games that we liked and hyping them up, there was sort of a narrative going into this direct that... Don't expect anything too crazy. Don't expect like a, a, a big direct per se, you know. And then after seeing the titles, um, there was some conversation online where some people felt that this was kind of, you know, a bit of a winding down for the Nintendo Switch based on the titles. We saw a lot of, um, you know, enhanced ports, remakes, and, you know, a, a 2D Mario game, more Mario ports and stuff like that. Did you get that feeling from this presentation where it was kind of like, you know, good stuff, but obviously they're, they're holding back some of the heavy hitters for the next iteration of the, whatever console or handheld they do? To be honest, sort of, but I think it's really cool in this era right now because they can be like random and kind of really creative. Like we saw that with the Mario game and it just seems... Like, yeah, they're relying on some of their older games, but I don't like at the same time, I think those older games are just have huge cult followings. They're really exciting, regardless of really what like the age of them is. And I don't know. I'm just very hyped. I think it's great. 
Yeah, I mean, when I viewed this direct, it definitely had that tone of a transition. You can tell that Nintendo is beginning to pivot away from the Switch. They still have some quality original games planned for the hardware, but when you see titles like Luigi's Mansion 2, a title that's not building up to a bigger release, like you can look at Metroid Prime remastered earlier this year and say, well, that's building anticipation for Prime 4. Luigi's Mansion 2 just feels as one of those filler releases that you put in 2024 as the Switch is beginning to wind down and that a successor is just beyond the horizon. And even if you look at, you know, Super Princess Peach, just the general tone was definitely that we're beginning our descent into hospice for this hardware. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Like, I love the presentation personally, and we'll talk about why in just a minute, because Somebody gets a victory lap on this on this uh, podcast here of retribution for hyping me up for this. And then there was something obviously very near and dear to my heart. But I definitely felt that that was sort of the general thing. Like like Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon kind of solidified it. It's like that that's a random thing, like a good good thing to port because obviously, you know, it'll look a hell of a lot better. And it was it looked great on the 3DS, but it'll obviously look better on the switch, but it definitely felt, you know what I would say? It was almost like fan service. Like a lot of this stuff definitely felt like fan service. I guess we should talk about like the biggest and most unique title, the the end of the presentation with uh, super Mario brothers wonder. Now, if you know anything about me, which hopefully you do, you know that I've been very critical about a new 2d Mario game because Nintendo is all, I shouldn't say always, but in the past decade, when it comes to 2D Mario games, they've been very reserved. It's always been this new Super Mario Brothers style. The first game on the DS back in what, like 06? Like that was unique. That was fine. But they they never moved on from that. And it just felt like a total rehash. But when I look at Super Mario Brothers Wonder, even, even the character sprite of Mario and how his hat like flips up a little bit and you can see his hair that showed me that they're actually trying something very different with this game. Feel free to chime in. Yeah. I, I love the look of this game. I study animation in school. And so the way um, the character sprites are, are done and the way everything kind of works together and Mario's little in-between animations where he's peeking his head out and stuff, to me, it just really looks like they took a lot of care and put a lot of effort into this game. Um, I I think it's great that they're being, like, so creative with it and basically letting Mario go on a whole psychedelic trip through the through the mushrooms. Um, it, just, it just looks phenomenal. I'm very excited. Yeah, what stood out to me is that the game finally has a return of personality. And when you looked at 2D Mario games dating back to the NES, each new installment had a new personality that was achieved through its aesthetics. And that's what I'm seeing here. New Super Mario Brothers, as you mentioned, became very lazy. It had the same art style. It wasn't very visually exciting. It was originally back on the DS and the Wii. Those were exciting releases. But then when we saw it rehashed on the Wii U, it was just very, oh, this again. And... Not to dismiss what New Super Mario Bros. U was. It was a fantastic 2D Mario game. The level design is phenomenal. It's just that it was visually unexciting. And when I look at Super Mario Bros. Wonder, it has that excitement back into it. 
the finer details of the character models, the expressions the characters have on them, just the overall artistic direction of the stage design that we have seen so far. It's exciting. It's appealing. It feels like it's returning to the roots that made 2D Mario games so great in yesteryears and on prior platforms. Yeah, I like how they sort of showed off like different gameplay styles in there as well like the the wonder stuff like it it transforms into a different world and like the game kind of shifts a little bit i think there's gonna be a ton of different change like i i think they they held back a lot of stuff for this game as far as showing things off from it because all you needed was really a little taste to kind of understand the direction and kind of understand the vibe that they were going for but i you know I was I was definitely impressed. I was very skeptical of a new 2D Mario game because I was afraid that they were going to half-ass it. That's really what it boiled down to. I didn't <laughs> I didn't buy new Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe. Oh wait, I did buy it. Be- and, and like I think that I think yeah, I did buy it cuz I made a video on it and like I just I didn't have fun with that game. Like it just felt so boring. It felt so it was vanilla. That's what it was. The Mario games had become extremely vanilla. And if you're someone who's older or maybe even, you know, someone Josie's age, who's, you know, played a good bit of Mario games. You would know that the better ones always have a little bit of that, you know, personality showing through. Yeah. It felt like the new super Mario bros felt like just super highly corporate produced. They didn't really have anything that was super special. And so with the return of that, I think it's going to get a lot of like new people really excited for it. Something cool that they did was those silhouette areas, and they did that in Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, and that was like a highly loved like part of that game. And so bringing that into Mario, I think, is super great as well, just like showing different artistic approaches that they're taking to the game. So we also had a very big announcement, um, a long time coming, I feel, um, Super Mario <laughs> RPG. Um, this, Man. this was surprising to me. I, 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 you know, I had heard that they, there was rumors about it, but I was like, ah, nah, man, I, I don't think that's going to go down. And I have to be honest. I, I said it in my video talking about the direct. I have never played super Mario RPG. Whoa. What? I've never played it. I not even when it was released on like the virtual console, super NES classic. None of them. None of them. I've never, I've never, I've never even booted the game up. So this wow. to me is very cool because I've heard how great it is. And I've heard people say, you know, how they want a sequel to this, this, that, and the other. Look, this is going to be, if you have any chance of this game ever getting a sequel, this is going to be the litmus test to see if people give a damn, <laughs> if they if they speak with their wallet with this. But I, I loved seeing that. I thought that was absolutely fantastic a a smart idea and the visual style once again to me that mario character looked awfully similar to the one that we saw in super mario brothers wonder correct or was i yeah i i agree it has a very similar look as what they're taking and maybe that's the new direction that they're going to take mario models you know moving forward but i also love how true it stayed to the original vision of what super mario rpg was on the super nes and The fact that Nintendo and Square Enix could come to an agreement to remake this game is nothing short of just astonishing. And it's a very exciting release for anybody who is, well, our age 
and remembers the original game 20 plus years ago. And, you know, it seemed as though Josie may have played it on virtual console or even on the SNES classic because she did say, whoa, to your <laughs> I think she was just never playing it. I think she was just plugging her channel of Josie, whoa. <laughs> I, no, I'm I think it's. Uh, I've never played it actually, but I okay. so what the hell? I know a lot of well, I was being ironic, but yeah. I know a lot about <laughs> <laughs> about the about the game because it's so like well known and stuff. But I feel like it's kind of a very like specific cult classic game, and it's super cool that Nintendo dug back in the trenches and picked this one out. Yeah, I thought I thought that looked absolutely amazing. Honestly, up until that game. I was I wasn't really feeling the direct. So like starting out with Pokemon DLC, like get out of here, dude. Like that's cool, but like I don't know. The detective do does anyone like Detective Pikachu? It was that I was actually okay. kind of excited. Okay. You know, you're excited, so I'm gonna let you speak on it first because I'm gonna eviscerate it. Yeah, well, oh really? Oh no. Um I just I like the idea of a Pikachu addicted to coffee and you solve mysteries in the Pokemon world. It seems really, like, stupid, but kind of fun. Um, but I'm willing to admit that it's probably bad. So, Nate, if you want to destroy it, go ahead. This was one of the worst-looking Switch games I have ever seen. It's the this same engine yeah, as Scarlet it look bad. Is it? This, do you remember when the Citra emulator came out with Detective Pikachu, and Pikachu was all flat-textured, and it had no shadows? Yes. This looks like a 3DS game running on an emulator. It looks terrible. There's no reason this game cannot look like Pokemon Snap. Well, I mean, one, <laughs> one was made by Bandai Namco, who knows how to make a, a modern-looking game, and one wasn't. Yeah, like, it did nothing for me. Like, hey, I'm Pikachu. I like coffee. You want to go solve some crimes? It's like, bro, like, I, I get it. Maybe there's people out there. Because the problem with Pokemon fans is, you know, not to be mean, but maybe I will be a little bit mean. It's kind of cultish. You know, there is definitely a cultish aspect to them where they, they just buy anything. Like, it doesn't matter what it is, if it's any good or not. They just they just buy it. So, you know, that's a whole topic for another day. But, like, that's just something that if you're putting out minimal effort yeah. and people are still buying it and you're making money, like, you don't care. You're not going to try really hard. And that's the thing with this release. It's, it could be great in terms of storytelling, gameplay. There's just no excuse for the game to look this poorly on the Switch. I mean, I've seen people compare it to a PlayStation 2 game, and I can't say it's hyperbole. Because no. Pikachu is a flat texture. There's no shadows in this game. I don't understand why this game took the entire generation to be developed. It feels as though this game was a 3DS game that they kind of shelved. And then in the last couple of years, they said, can we port it over to the Switch? Yeah, we can. And that's what we got. Yeah, the more I see different Pokemon games and stuff, the more I realize that Game Freak just shouldn't be the developers. They got to give this to someone else. Or or ask for help. Like, there's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with asking for help when you clearly need it. Like, this is like like Game Freak is like the crackhead outside of the Seven Eleven. Like, they need help, and and uh, you know, they <laughs> they should accept it at this point because there's some 
there's some issues going on there. Um, we did see some games that we were aware of um, that we have seen previously. Sonic Superstars made another appearance here with some new gameplay footage. Um, 2D games. All of a sudden, some of my most hyped games are 2D games. Sonic Superstars, Prince of Persia, and now Super Mario Bros. Um, Wonder. But what are, what are we thinking about uh, Sonic Superstars? Because obviously... You know, 2D Sonic games are usually really good, but the Sonic franchise itself kind of has a negative stigma about it. But, you know, Frontiers helped it a little bit. But what are we thinking about this game? I have previously had zero interest in Sonic at all. I didn't even care about Frontiers, but this I kind of like because I like the 2D aspect of it. I mean, Sonic Mania, I think, is really good. But other than that, I have not cared about the Sonic franchise in the slightest. And so the fact that this is going back to the roots, it looks pretty good. And the fact that you can play it co-op is pretty, pretty cool to me. My only hesitation with this game is that it looks like it lacks momentum. And I know they said they ported over the Mania physics engine and everything. But whenever I see the footage, it doesn't look fast. And maybe it's just a perception of watching the trailer. And maybe it will feel as though it is quicker when I'm playing it. But right now, it just looks like a slow Sonic game, and hopefully that isn't the case, because 2D Sonic games are always quality, and it would be great for them to finally deliver a high-quality 2D Sonic game again. But it just comes back down to that co-developer, which is Azrest, who did Balan Wonderworld. Good and lord. that brings me a little bit of, you know, fear that this, it may just be another mediocre Sonic game. And I mean, that that's fair. But once again, much like Pokemon fans, Sonic the Hedgehog fans are <laughs> cultists. And, I, and I'm a part of the cult. I, I will I will completely admit that. I, I think Sonic Forces isn't a bad game. I play anything Sonic. So I am I'm super stoked for this game. Um, There was a lot of other stuff. Tell me tell me some of your highlights from this event. We'll start with with Jose, Josie, what, what, what were a game or two that stood out for you and why? Um, they're pretty much just the main ones. Like I really liked, well, the tease of super princess peach, I think is like super intriguing, very excited for what that possibly could be. And then I'm big on Pikmin. I don't know if anyone else in this podcast is, but the fact that they're bringing over one and two was also super huge for me because I haven't played those games, but I loved three. And I, like, have dabbled in them, you know, on Dolphin, but, like, I haven't <gasps> beaten them. Yeah. <laughs> but I haven't beaten them or, like, really gotten anywhere far. So I think by bringing them over the Switch, it'll make it a lot more accessible. Plus, having the entire franchise on the Switch now is really, really cool to people, like, trying to get into the franchise. Yeah, those people. Yeah, I'll, oh, I was gonna say I'll that. echo Pikmin. Yeah, I'll echo that. You know, I might even say that because I'm not going to buy it on day one. But whenever it goes down to forty one ninety nine, which will be the lowest it ever goes to, <laughs> I might pick it up then. I, I kind of liked what I saw from that game. I just I've never been a, a big fan of Pikmin. It's just never done anything for me. Yeah, I like I like Pikmin one, Pikmin two. I never really played that much when it came back, you know, on the GameCube back in the day. And then it came to the Wii, but by then I was kind of disinterested in Pikmin. So I would, I definitely have interest in you know, replaying Pikmin 1 right now. Probably get the physical copy that comes out in September instead of going digital at this point. Um, another game that I was glad to finally see released because it finally get you off my back. Mm -hmm. 
is the Dark Knight. Oh God, I was so Batman. happy. I was Arkham. so happy. <laughs> Josie, have you played any of the Arkham games? I've actually played all of them with my brother. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yes, I'm. I'm very excited for this. Nate had told me long ago that this was happening. It, it's been literally years. I've been asking, "Where is my Batman?" Yeah, it's Where been at least Batman? eighteen months. At least eighteen months. But I mean, you know, a lot of people, even when this was a rumor, a lot of people thought that you know, oh, is is Arkham Knight gonna be on there? Because obviously, that was a PlayStation Four, Xbox One game, and it does appear that Arkham Knight is in its full capacity on this uh, trilogy of the games. No, um. Arkham Origins. They uh, wh- why don't people? Someone's gonna have to answer this for me. What's the beef with Arkham Origins? Because I don't think it's a bad game. I actually thoroughly enjoy Arkham Origins. I think the only reason it continues to elude this release is that it's not a Rocksteady game, and this is the Rocksteady trilogy. Ah, okay. Because like I love the en- the ending scene of Arkham Origins. It's, it's freaking fantastic. But yes, I am very excited. For this, Arkham City is one of my favorite video games, period. Um, not the biggest fan of Arkham Knight because the Batmobile stuff, I don't know. It it, it just it, it felt like way too tacked on for me. It just it didn't feel very well done, but I, I am super excited for this. Um, mm-hmm. This is going to be awesome. Um, I would say my personal exciting announcement was I was slightly vindicated as well because when the Metal Gear Solid collection was announced, I made a video proclaiming that I felt it was coming to the Switch. Some people doubted that. <laughs> and then we got when when I heard the I was like, "Oh my god." And you know, they've added in more stuff. Now, Josie, have you played any Metal Gear? Uh, no, oh, not a single one. You are in for a treat, my friend. Actually, you're not because they probably haven't ate all that great for modern <laughs> players. <laughs> at, at least play three. Um, but no. So you're getting the three main games, um, one, two, and three. I am curious to see if it's because they they slightly tweak some things with Metal Gear Solid. If you remember, they got rid of the name Diazepam for the um sedative drug that you use when you're sniping. Because that's an actual drug. They changed it to Pantazamine. And they also, in Twin Snakes, they changed Mei Ling's voice. Um, they made her sound, like, more Western, I guess. Because um, she didn't she didn't sound that way. She sounded very Oriental in um, the original version of the game. So I'm, I'll be curious to see what's going on with that. But beyond that, you get the um, VR missions for Metal Gear Solid 1. You get Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake, which were MSX home computer titles. And today they also announced, and this was actually very surprising, but I also feel like it's a big F you to Kojima, that um, Metal Gear NES and Metal Gear Snake's Revenge NES are also going to be a part of this collection. Now, if you know anything about the history of Metal Gear, you would know that Kojima had nothing to do with those games. He didn't even know that they were happening <laughs> and then they happened and then they did a sequel and he had no freaking idea about that either until like it was out. So that was kind of funny to me. Um, There's going to be the digital novel, uh, two versions of the digital novel. There's like strategy guides and stuff that they're in. They're putting in there. Like this actually feels like, I, I don't want to give them too much credit, but it actually feels like Konami is making an effort here. 
This is the most effort. Yeah. Because you could say, oh, well, what about the Castlevania and Contra stuff? That, can't? That, that was other companies doing it. Like, they just pretty much licensed out that stuff. This actually feels like Konami themselves is the one doing it. They're the ones making the merch. They're the ones that are promoting it. It's all themselves. So that that I was I was so happy to see that. Yeah, I mean it's going to be great to replay Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3, especially in handheld cuz you know, we both played it on the Vita. Mm-hmm. And now a whole new audience will get that opportunity to play these two fantastic PlayStation 2 games in portable mode. And as long as performance holds up, which it should, it's based on the Blue Point versions of the game that came out on the Xbox 360, PS3, and everything. So there's no reason the game shouldn't be rock solid on the Switch. This is a fantastic release. I mean, unfortunately, we did learn that the physical copy essentially has <laughs> nothing on it. Yeah, that's my video for tomorrow. Um, <laughs> definitely, uh, some people were outraged about that. But at this point, like it shouldn't be that big of a surprise to you. Like, do you think uh, the Batman stuff's not going to be all on the cartridge? You might get Asylum on there if you're lucky, but that's not going to be all on the cartridge. They might even even do a physical release for that because you know, Konami. When you look at the the file sizes of this stuff, Konami doesn't. They're not compressing anything here. They're just like oh. throwing it. I like <laughs> it, it's crazy these file sizes, and they obviously. Like I'm still gonna buy it physically. I just I just want it for the collection. But I mean, I'll play them digitally. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can get a review copy of it. But yes, that was a huge and exciting announcement for me. Um, I have a I have a question about Metal Gear. Go on. Who is the main character? It's not Snake. No, it is Snake. It's Solid. Uh, well, I mean, Metal Gear Solid One, you play a Solid Snake. Um, Metal Gear yeah. Solid Two, you start out as Solid Snake, and then you play as someone else. Metal Gear Solid 3, you play as Big <laughs> Boss, who is the original snake. The original snake. Okay. Was I not lit up on the spawn cast for saying that I know who it is because of Snake? And you guys were like, he's not even in it. Wait, what? I don't this is <laughs> this is why I remember this question, because I said it was a whole thing, but I was just wondering. But no, we were talking about Metal Gear Solid 3, I think. Oh. And that's the one it's not Snake. Right, it's Big Boss. Yeah, wow. the original Snake. Yeah, Snake is a clone of Big Boss. Les Enfants Terribles, the three brothers <laughs> of terribleness. Wow, <laughs> this I, I, is a lot of lore. The, no, no, there no, is. no, no, no. It's crazy the amount of lore. And you also have to play the MSX games because all that is canon. Like the NES, the reason why the NES stuff is interesting is because well, the first game is kind of can't it, it, it's based on a canon game so the msx version which is a japanese home computer had metal gear and konami the western part of konami decided to to uh, bring it over so kojima didn't know that that was happening and they changed some stuff to make it a little bit you know obviously for the limitations of the nes because the msx was a stronger system but beyond that just um because of the fact that they just wanted to change some things up Snake's Revenge, which is also in this collection, has nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing to do with it. It's it's not even acknowledged. Like, at least Metal Gear NES, it kind of gets acknowledged. But Snake's Revenge doesn't. So that's kind of why it's like a big F you to Kojima. But I definitely so feel... If I, Go ahead. So if I wanted to play these games for the first time, like, what would I start with? Well, see, here's, um, here's the thing. I mean, 99% of people started with Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation 1. But that game is extremely dated. Um, it's still a great game. Don't get me wrong. 
but you would have to be able to but the, the ps1 is one of the worst consoles as far as playing revisiting the games or even visiting the games for the first time because that was the first generation of 3d at least with nintendo like you had these big chunky polygons and so like it kind of worked for most of the 3d stuff if it wasn't fog based but with playstation like they were trying to just like brute force stuff and because of that it's not the best looking game it's gonna feel very jank and kind of weird but if you can stick with it it's fantastic, but def I, I definitely think that that's kind of the, the place to start as well, just because I like the MSX games, they're fun, but unless you're just like a hardcore Metal Gear fan or you're just a hardcore retro gamer fan, you could just read a synopsis of, of the stories that happen within those games, because really the series didn't get into the limelight until it was Metal Gear Solid. Right. And not to stay on this topic for too long, but did you see the leak that found controller prompts for Metal Gear Solid 4, Peace Walker, and Metal Gear Solid 5 for potentially the Metal Gear Solid Collection Part 2? Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. That, how would they do Metal Gear Solid 4, though? I don't care. I just want it on modern platforms. I know. I've been... Uh hacker man over here i've been playing it um on my uh emulator on my computer i'm like halfway through the game it's such a good game it, it still holds up amazing it still looks great it still plays great like that's one of the best games i don't care i if you if you get addicted to the story of metal gear metal gear solid 4 is just the icing on the cake and the <laughs> series should have ended there because god almighty did they yeah get weird that game was Pure fan service. No, and it was like the characters that you would never think were coming back. Like, hey, look, I'm back. It's like, what? What are you doing here? Hey, it's you. <laughs> it's like we're going back to this location. Cool. Yeah, I can't wait. That game. It was carny as hell, but man, did I love it. Yeah, it did I had so many memories of playing online. All right, this isn't the Metal Gear cast though. I do want to spotlight one more game, um, and then you guys can talk about something penny's big breakaway this was great this is the 3d platformer from the sonic mania team and wow this look this looked like a 2d sega platformer from back in the day made into like a 3d game yep like the color schemes and stuff it definitely felt like rystar tempo you know old sonic games that had those those bright colors i thought this game looked very very cool and has a lot of potential with a 2024 release i do too i think it could be a very like fun kind of random quirky platformer i'm wondering do you think that it's gonna be full price probably not right that's a good question um i don't know what do you think Nate? I um i mean given the scope of the game I could see this coming in at, you know, a full $60, but who's publishing it? It's game is developed by, okay. Um, private division. I think it has a really good chance of like selling well if they price it right. But I think $60, I don't know if this game is going to do super well as yeah. a new IP. Yeah. Cause it is, you know, yeah. a new IP. Nobody really 
has ever heard. I mean, you, you know about Christian Whitehead because he's been around for so long. What other games has Private Division published? They published The Outer Worlds. Oh. Okay. Oh, okay. So they've done Ali Ali World. They've done Hades. They've done. So they haven't done much. They've only done it looks like a handful of games, honestly. But you know, Ali Ali World, Hades, those were budget titles. Those weren't full prices. So you know, I I think it depends. Um, just kind of you know how they position it, how they market it, and sort of what people are willing to pay for it. I'm, I'm sure they'll do some market research there. Um, anything else that stood out for anyone? I feel like I might be missing something. Oh, Dragon Quest Monsters. I liked this. I was a fan of the uh, <laughs> DS game, and this was good to see. You know, it, It's like if Pokemon, if Game Freak had talent, it would probably look something like this oh, game. Oh man, Game Freak is getting roasted in this episode. They don't they're not talented in terms of visuals. But no, I was definitely I I I like this. This will be something I will play. Like um I like kind of Pokemon-esque games when they actually look like video games, you know, proper games. So this to me this to me looked really good. Um, definitely something very cool and surprising. I would say it was a bit surprising as well because, once again, I know there was predictions out there. I believe Nate, you were talking about it on your mm -hmm. uh, thing, but yes. you, you never know. You know, you know, predictions are great, but there's always that chance that you know something could change and then whatever. But definitely very cool to see that. Yeah, one of the other games I was very happy to finally see be revealed, and something I had talked about about a week ago when Square Enix had leaked the logo for the game, was Star Ocean 2. Oh my and god! The visual direction of the game yeah. is just amazing. I love the scope and ambition they're doing with this project, and it, it was almost like the evolution of HD 2D. When I saw the 3D environments with the 2D pixel art for the characters, I was just looking at it saying, wow. Square Enix, you just keep making these HD2 games better. And Star Ocean 2 getting respect is so justly justified for the <laughs> franchise. Because Star Ocean sucks now. Oh, yeah. But they does. used to be good. And Star Ocean 2 is one of the best entries to the series. What is this game? Is this from the SNES era or? It was, uh, I believe it was SNES and PS1. Yeah, so I played the Star Ocean on PS1 back in the day, the first one that came out on there. And I, I liked it for sure, but I also don't remember a lot of it, just kind of retrospectively remembering. But yeah, that visual style, that, that's the move right there. That looked absolutely gorgeous. Because the thing nowadays is, you know, a lot of these games are going for that hyper-realistic style, and they kind of blend together. Like, look at a look at a PlayStation or an Xbox presentation not discounting any of those games but there's kind of a template medieval outer space and it's like oh, all these games are sort of blending together but then you have this which is just the polar opposite of what the trends are the polar opposite of what the industry is kind of gravitating towards with these huge development cycles for these ultra realistic games and it becomes unique it, it comes stand out like that was a standout title 
during this presentation. It's also available on the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. Sorry, Xboxers, you miss out yet again. I guess that Square <laughs> Enix and Microsoft beef still goes on. But yeah, awesome looking game. Is this one getting a physical? Do we know? They're doing a yeah, they're doing a collector's edition. That's like two hundred dollars okay. as well. Holy moly! All right. And it's like because it's, it's it's a Square Enix exclusive one, so the shipping is also ridiculous. If you bought the the Pixel Remasters oh, physical, man. that that shipping was ridiculous for just yeah. One I I had had the Pixel Remastered Collector's Edition pre ordered, and I was like, I can't do this. The shipping was like fifty bucks. Jesus. So it was, I think it was priced at what, like two fifty, and yeah. with shipping, it was taking it well over three hundred dollars. I was like, I'm not gonna spend three hundred dollars on this game. I'm sorry, dude. Even the the standard edition was kind of high just for like a single game. It's like, what the hell, man? And it came in like like a, a crappy bubble mail envelope because I remember getting it, and I was like, is this something I bought off of eBay? And I was like, no, it was <laughs> it was that. And I was like, you couldn't give me a box like a, a standard nope. little nice box like jesus christ yeah like the standard edition i think the shipping was 25 dollars. yeah something crazy it's, it's i don't even know why i have it i'm not playing them it's sealed i'm not, I'm not gonna play them anytime soon i got a resale value yeah i guess but I, don't, I don't know i don't really care about that so overall if we had to to give this nintendo direct a letter grade and we'll start out with josie what would you give this on a A to F scale? You could do pluses and minuses should you choose to do such. Okay. I'm going to give it a flat A. I think it was really, really good. Um, I think it just appealed to me in every way because I'm huge on Mario. And so I got like all this Mario stuff and like a bunch of new experiences that not, not necessarily that they're new games, but for me, they're new experiences like Mario RPG that I've never played. Um. And I just like the insight to look into the future of Nintendo as well with the pr Princess Peach and Luigi's Mansion. And then the Pikmin stuff. It was just like, it just felt very catered. So, A for me. Nate? You know, it's really tough for me to think of a letter grade for this Direct. Because if I view it as strictly a Nintendo fan, and as that, you know, a Mario fan, it definitely delivered on that front. If I go into it expecting a little more variety from Nintendo's own output, there was very little here outside of Mario. So you could say, you know, it failed on that. But if I look at the third party variety, you know, you had Sonic, Metal Gear Solid, Star Ocean. There was some decent variety there. Not a lot in terms of brand new announcements. You know, Star Ocean 2 was a new announcement. Um... But, you know, just as as a Nintendo fan, you know, I probably come in with a strong B plus. I'm going to go out on a limb. And, you know, what? I'm going to I was going to say a minus, but I'm going to go with 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 Josie. I'm going to go with a solid A because much like she felt it was catered to her. I got Mario, Sonic, Batman and Metal Gear Solid in, in one presentation. And I don't care that, you know these are some of these are multi-platform games like that that's that's cool some of these are older games older games to me doesn't mean a bad thing because a lot of these older games are a hell of a lot better than these newer games are and that's why they're being re-released but just 
the the presentation like there was stuff I didn't care about. Fay Farm, you know, the the weird cozy Fortnite looking game that you, you go out. Like I, I don't <laughs> care. Bad. I, I don't care about these games. The 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 Splatfest. What's your favorite ice cream? Like you sound like Her- Herbert the pervert there. Like you want to get some ice cream? Jeez. Like like it's weird. But then I I feel like there was unless you're like a Metroid fan. There was like something for everyone because there was a ton of RPGs. There was a ton of action games. There's a ton of, you know, updates on, on games we knew about and stuff. I'm, I'm going to go with an A and you could call me and it's not even necessarily because of the Nintendo stuff. The Nintendo stuff was very cool. Super Mario RPG, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Very cool stuff. But the Sonic, the 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 Metal Gear, the the Batman, like th- those are franchises I talk about all the time. So if you're going to call me anything, call me a third party whore. And I mean, I guess, I guess the shoe fits with that. So a little bit, I, I do feel like we could finally close the discussion on a 2023 release of a successor though, which is, yeah, that's Absolutely got not. shout outs to all the Nintendo channels out there. You got year up shit's Creek right now. Because we pretty much know everything that's going to happen this year. So you're going to have to actually review and play games instead of just talking about them. Has anyone else noticed that? Is it just me? I don't know. All right. So I guess we. I guess this is good enough for our first episode. We're at the 40-minute mark. Um, any final things we want to say before we go off? I had a good time. This was cool. I like talking about Nintendo. I talk a lot more about this stuff than xbox and playstation because i know more so it's a good time yeah i mean this was a good first episode we'll still iron out things we will get our footing and you know i think a direct is a good launch pad for a first episode and you know nintendo nintendo had the direct that they needed to have at the moment you had tons of people saying there's no more games after zelda pikmin 4 is gonna be the last big switch game and that type of take and opinion was always absurd nintendo came out and said whoa calm down we have a lot more coming this year and you know what there's still a couple of gaps in the calendar year right now and nintendo always likes to have another direct in the second half of the year so maybe we still get another release this year maybe they continue to do the gamecube shadow drop type initiative that they've introduced way back in february did it again today so could still have some releases from nintendo as the year continues but you know good show Good way for Nintendo to silence all those doubters saying no more heavy hitters. You dropped a 2D Mario game. It's going to sell 10, 15 million copies potentially this fiscal year. And, you know, definitely something to look forward to if you're a Nintendo fan for the duration of the calendar year. I actually fully agree with you with the, I, I you know, once is, a, is an anomaly or once is a coincidence, twice there's a pattern. And both of these presentations, they talked about, you know, they did these stealth drops of, of GameCube games with Metroid Prime Remastered and now Pikmin 1 and 2. Um, I could definitely see something, you know, because a lot of people were expecting some maybe Tears of the Kingdom DLC at this event way too soon for it. But if we're talking about the September Direct, well, you say, you know, oh, here's some Tears of the Kingdom DLC coming in November or December or something like that. And by the way, now available on the Nintendo Switch eShop, uh, Twilight Princess, and Wind Waker. There's a physical edition coming out in a in like two months. Like, I definitely yeah. think there's a precedent 
set now to almost to the point of where I'm expecting there to be some GameCube mm-hmm. stuff at this at this event just nonchalantly talked about and then dropped. Like I, I think and obviously, you know, in, in a year or two, that's not going to be the case. But I feel like for 2023, that's definitely something that seems to be a bit of a focus. Yeah, they're like our version of the Smash reveals new thing. Right. Yeah, I mean, and especially, you know, we go into September, let's just say in a hypothetical scenario, we get a Metroid Prime 4 trailer. Mm-hmm. What better time to shadow drop Metroid Prime 2? Exactly. Right. You exactly. know, like, now there's so many permutations of how Nintendo could approach this. And if you have that hype and anticipation going into the shows, it's really exciting. And, you know, maybe it'll be a topic in a future episode where we could explore why is Nintendo doing these shadow drops and releasing the physical versions two to three months later. Hmm. Hmm. That's an interesting topic. Maybe that will be our next topic, which could be next week, according to Jose, or two weeks, according to me. I don't know. We'll have to ask John. But definitely, thank you guys for tuning in to this (laughs) inaugural episode of Game & Watch. Why do I feel like it was called Game & Talk? Game & Talk. Game & Talk. (laughs) This is Game & Talk, um, episode one. And, yeah, thank you for hanging out with us. Um, thank you for supporting the Patreon. Hopefully John has officially launched this by the time you're listening to this episode (laughs) or else there's going to be like three people listening to this and to those three people. Thank you very much. We'll catch you guys on the next episode.